Charlie Gladstone here and welcome to episode 20 of my Mavericks podcast. That seems like quite a grown-up number. I can't believe it really. Thank you very, very much to all of you for joining me. Welcome back or welcome if this is your first time. I'm incredibly grateful to you for joining me. I hope that I'm getting a little bit professional or a bit more professional now that we've reached episode 20. I hope that I've stopped interrupting people and saying um and doing all the annoying things that I no doubt did in the beginning and that you're finding these worthwhile. Anyway, enough about me. Today's conversation is with Miranda West, the publisher and polymath at the Do Book Company. You probably know the Do Book Company. It's a small independent imprint that produces design-led books on a range of subjects that encourage people to do things, whether it's to run their business in a particular way or to learn how to breathe or to learn how to do a particular style of cooking. In many ways, the Do Book Company is revolutionary, not only in swimming against the tide to an extent by producing a very tight collection of design-led books that are instantly recognisable, but by also getting those books into unusual places. Often, I mean very often, you'll go into a some sort of lifestyle shop or clothing shop and you will come across the do books. And I think that they've been very, very clever at doing this. Not only creating something worthwhile, but also getting books into interesting places and that can't be easy and when I say they it's pretty much actually Miranda herself just Miranda she's very quiet and unassuming but she's also clearly incredibly hard-working and intelligent with it and has really created out of absolutely nothing on a very tight budget a remarkable organization and a remarkable collection of books anyway I went along to see her in her office in Shoreditch in London It's a shared space and Miranda beavers away at the back of it. We couldn't speak in there because A, it would be a bit loud and B, the other people talking. So we went off around the corner and sat on a mound by a bandstand and had a chat. Keen observers of this podcast may remember that I spoke to Miranda for about 10 minutes when we were both at the Do Lectures back in early July. And so I'm conscious of not repeating anything from that conversation, but I know that there's enough meat in this subject and enough interesting stuff in what Miranda does to definitely merit a proper and full conversation. So here that is. We've obviously spoken before some brevity about your career, (laughs) and and now um, we were sitting in a vegetable garden there, and now we're sitting in a sort of bandstand arena in, um, in Shoreditch. But um, one day we'll make it indoors. Yeah, I, I prefer it outside. <laughs> so you're, you're running this independent publishing company, and you have been for a number of years. Um, how does what is the connection to the Do Lectures? That, I, I'm actually not clear about that. Yeah. Well, what happened? I suppose if I go backwards slightly, um, I was introduced to the Do Lectures. By, which was, you know, they're about to enter their 10th year and I've been going for, what, four or five years? Yeah. Um, so they were up and running and I was sent a link to one of their talks, which I listened to, and then I made contact with them to say if they'd consider publishing books by, you know, these incredible speakers um, that gather every year. Um, and they said, 
Yes, they would. So my background was publishing. I'd been at Random House and smaller independent presses for about, well, since graduating, you know, it's about 100 years. Were you looking, um, for, so were you, you were essentially in a very, very good publisher, but, but nonetheless a sort of corporate world. Was your, was your aim to get out at that stage? Well, interestingly, I had already left because oh, I was okay. at that point I was living in Switzerland. <laughs> it gets a bit complicated. My husband's job, he was relocated there. He didn't have to go, but anyway, it's like, well, let's go. Let's have an adventure for a couple of years. We had two young children. Um, so I left my job. And then, of course, after about three months, it was like, OK, a bit bored now. Yes. You know, um, and with the children as well. <laughs> so you came over, did so, you come over to, to Wales for the two lectures in order just to find some inspiration yourself as, as a paying no, guest? No, so I got in touch with them first before I'd been to oh, the I lectures. See. OK. But I kind of instinctively knew I'd like it, you know, and it was this kind of recipe for good and, you know, inspiration and things. So we had some conversations first around um, book publishing and how that might work and, you know, how it might look. And, um, and then David and Claire invited me to go to the lectures later that year, just because obviously I had to go and just sort of check it out. And, and it was kind of exactly as I thought it as would be. As you hoped it would be, yeah. 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 So, so you, and so you started off with one book and, or a series of books well, and you built it up as we discussed before. But yeah. So now you're making this series of books that are all very closely linked, both visually and in terms of their sort of ethos, if not their concept. Is, I mean, are you enjoying being an independent publisher and a sort yeah. of entrepreneur? Yes. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm probably naturally a bit bossy. And I think you realise that actually you're a bit of a control freak. And, but also it's just decisions get made, you know, things get done quicker, you know, decisions get made you know, you've got a bit more autonomy. And also, I find that you can be more experimental, you know, and nobody's gonna, you know, be uh, worried about that. You know, they're not worrying about, oh, budgets, and what if it doesn't work and stuff. So actually, I'm finding it much more creative working with different designers and having illustrations and colour photography and strong graphics in a small paperback book. Mm. You know, traditionally, the paperback is just, um, black and white text and maybe if you're lucky an eight page plate section you know but in some ways the thing that you're doing with the book company is playing into that sort of modern magazine market as well isn't it where people are prepared to buy a beautiful relatively thin thing yeah. for about sort of 10 quid I mean you're presumably in the same market as you know all the sort of magazines that have followed yeah Kinfo. apart from they're more expensive yes yes <laughs> but maybe I don't know I haven't really thought of it like that I suppose in terms of, you know, what, the, what goes into the content and, I don't know, maybe appealing to somebody that's got, you know, strong visual aesthetic. But wasn't, I mean, it strikes me that part of your kind of marketing idea is to be in shops that don't traditionally sell books. Well, weirdly, that's kind of how it's worked out. That isn't what you imagined, forgive me. No, with. no. So, I mean, right from the get-go, I had... Because don't forget, I was from the sort of traditional publishing industry, which meant, OK, books in high street, bookshop, you know, in independent bookshops. Um, and beyond that, it was always very difficult to... So a lot of publishers just didn't bother to get books into, you know, design-led stores or... Oh, I know with shops. peddlers, it, it, it still is quite difficult to convince someone to sell you just 
one yeah. book. I mean, not just one single book, but, you know, a book. But it's that kind of, um, you know, I suppose when you sort of cut loose and you're on your own, it all goes a bit Wild West, doesn't it? And it's, you know, there's no rules. So it's like, OK, the first year or so, it's like, right, we need to sell books because if we don't sell books, we're not going to stay in business. And I really wanted this to be a sustainable business because I knew that we had great authors that we could and moving forwards you know lots of amazing individuals that I wanted to get in print Mm. Um, and it's like we didn't have any investors so our sole income was from sales so it all went a bit only fools and horses Um, and, uh, and I was like right okay where might you know people who like our books where might they shop where might they go and actually when we thought about it it wasn't Waterstones particularly it was oh that lovely independent shop in uh, in Brighton you know or somewhere like that with you know maybe some prints and maybe some stationery and you know other objects um, and then we just sort of got in touch and I think because the books had a, this sort of strong visual identity and they looked nice you know when they were displayed together you know, they, they were appealing. And, you know, they were under £10 as well. And but also the do lectures, which, I mean, for people who don't know about them, I think a lot of listeners probably do. I mean, that's a very strong brand, yeah. isn't it? I mean, that's a yeah. very good thing to be piggybacking yeah. from. Yeah, yeah. But also, for me, I couldn't assume that people knew that, about that brand. I mean, we know about it because, you know, yes. good life and this, that and the other. Um, but I had to assume that, 95% of the population hadn't heard about mm. it. So that's where the books were never just going to be a straight transcript. You know, like some of the TED Talks. You know, it's like, well, let's turn this into a book that somebody's going to pick up who doesn't know, has never heard of the Do Lectures. Yes. You know, but they're yeah. interested in growing vegetables or baking bread or, you know, improvising in the workplace or how to build a great brand. Um, and also places like Waterstones, you know, they just they're interested in what the book is, what yes. it's about and who it's been written by yes. and how it's positioned and presented. Well, I think I, I, I think that, so what, so... But you're right, you, though, in the, you know... It, it was, was a good thing to piggyback. Was, so yeah. is it your company or is it Do's yeah. company and yours? So we have an arrangement. So the deal is I've, can, I, you know, it's a licence. It's a fairly straightforward licensing deal, really. Um, I go to the lectures every year. I can approach any of the speakers see if they're interested in doing a book um, with David's blessing. Uh, we're normally, you know, we're sort of pretty in tune really when it comes to like who and what and this kind of thing. Um, I'll then develop a book proposal with them and then I can then publish that book under the do name. Under the do name, right, um, okay. And then what do they get out of it is, well, they get a 5% royalty from every copy sold. So now we've got this lovely virtuous circle. And you spread their word. You know, well, yeah, so I mean, now it's like, it's, it's working, we're really motoring, because now people are find, discovering the books, then finding out about the lectures, and then going to the event, mm. and having their life transformed. Um, and also, you know, so there's a royalty stream now that twice a year is going into the do lectures, so that helps make that more sustainable, which was the original objective. Mm. It's like, well, how do, you know, how do we sort of protect events like this which are life-changing for people that go you so, know and can the books help in yes, some way but, but so you so I, I can see all that but you've really had to go from being a publisher in a, in a, a massive publishing house with a full support team of yeah. people selling books and designing <laughs> books and editing books yeah. and you know and, and you now doing 
pretty have been and still are doing pretty much all of that with one yeah. helper Caleb at the moment yeah right? well and Anya but both of them are part-time but then this is why it's been sort of there's been sort of quite slow organic growth I mean if you compare it to like a tech startup mm. that would have that you know the hockey stick curve of growth I mean ours has been much slower but I kind of think it's we're robust you know there's a, there's a strong model we've built up a you know lovely community around the books you know this our stockists like them you know we've got that sort of person who will deal with some of them directly uh we love our distributor pg uk you know we have a great relationship with them so it's kind of yeah slow growth it strikes me that what you've also done and this isn't but, just to flatter yeah. you is to, is to actually do everything <laughs> really well i mean to the utmost of your ability because you know they do look good yeah the content is always very good yeah and the people in in many ways seem to have cults around them does that so a lot of your authors, I mean, I think, you know, there are cults around, and I've said this to all of them, but there are cults around David Hyatt, there are cults around Mark Shaler, there are cults yeah. around Tom Herbert, your most recent. Yeah. You know, these are very attractive people. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you think that you're, you know, you're, that's a big part of it, that people just want a bit of them? Oh, I don't... Uh, maybe in the case of David, you know, I mean, he's been sort of doing what he does for many years now, and he's... I mean, people still reference Howie's. Oh, people, people you know. are, I mean, yeah, he's um, clearly hugely respected but, and with good reason. You know, right? I mean, kind of, because I was so used to, when I was at Random House, dealing with big-name authors. And interestingly, some would work and some wouldn't work. So I think it helps, certainly in, you know, today's world of social media and how do you tell people about, you know, your offering. It helps if they've, you know, people have already heard of them. And actually, they're proactive in terms of blogging and sharing and that kind of thing. Um, that helps. Do people buy the book because they want a part of them? Probably. I mean, I published Tom Herbert because I wanted to carry him around in my pocket every yes. day. <laughs> yeah, like everybody else. I think <laughs> yeah. I said about Tom Herbert. And, and, and he'll, he, he, yeah. I'm sure he likes that. That was but my main motivation. All the boys want to be him and all yeah. the girls want to be with him. He doesn't want to carry him around in yeah. your bag every day. Or vice versa. Um, um, yeah, so that all helps, and that's, yeah, that's helped. But similarly, we've published a lot of authors who have got little to no public profile. And built their profile. So I think there's quite a cult well, around someone, kind of, you know, yeah. people like Anya and Jen, who did yeah. the, um, the amazing Do Preserve. I mean, they've become, so that, that's, they've, they've benefited. So some of the authors yeah. kind of benefit yeah. you. Well, and also, some... I think talent, natural talent kind of wins the day, doesn't it? You know, I mean, maybe the book's given a little bit of a helping hand, but, um, yeah, I think, you know, that, that talent does sort of bubble to the surface, doesn't it? I think. Well, you are, yeah. I mean, so you are, yeah. you are clearly very experienced and you've, you've done a lot here and, and yet you seem to have this kind of very um, laid back and cheerful demeanour and make it look as if it's been easy, but it must have been pretty tough. No, it's this. been really tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean no, small business is always really tougher tough. than people I think it is. I always feel it's a bit of a turn-off talking about it, though, because it's like, oh, poor little me, you know. No, um, I don't think so at all. You see, because I think, conversely, that in this country, we don't have enough conversations about how tough being self-employed yeah. is. So I think particularly the next generation. So yeah. my eldest children are in kind of the late 20s. And I think a lot of the generation coming in just below them kind of look at people like you and I and think, oh, I'm just going to do something creative. I'm going to set up a publishing company and pretty soon I'll have enough money to yeah, live comfortably. sail around the world. But what they don't realise is that kind of stress of, you know, I, my main stress is always bank balance related. Yeah. Uh, well, cash flow is, is, I mean, that is, the, you know, the C word in the world of small businesses, mm. isn't it? I mean, that's been, we've sailed very close to the wind some months. Um... And then I suppose it's just that sort of dogged... Okay, a couple of things. One, 
that sort of dogged perseverance, you know, just sort of going back and, you know, just sort of chipping away, chipping away. And it's all the small details, you know, it's the, it's the email, you know, to, you know, to customers, you know, I mean, like, I appreciate every order, you know, I mean, we all, you know, we reply to customers all the time. Um, you know, press copies going out, you know, it's just that sort of dogged persistence. And if something doesn't work, by. dusting yourself down. Well, which happened yesterday, I was let down on a book, which, you know, our North American distributor had already committed to in quite a big way. Um, and, you know, you're totally deflated. You know, it's like the, somebody stuck a pin in the balloon. Um, but what do I do? I had a gin and tonic last night, I watched a nice film, um, and you're sort of back on it, you know, and I sort of, you know, replied to him today and I felt a bit more level-headed. And also it's just like, some things work out, some things don't. Um, but you know, I mean, that's, you know, that's sometimes it's a real body blow. Um, why do you keep going? I don't know. I think ultimately your belief in it, you know, and then I suppose you're kind of motivated by comments from other people. But it, make, but it fundamentally makes you, Miranda, happy doing it, even if there's yeah. terrible gin and tonic requiring yeah. nights. <laughs> Every other night. Yeah. Um, no, yes. I, yeah, I, don't I th think he... so, because, it, I don't know, it's a difficult question, isn't it? Because you're so sort of, when you're doing it, you're so in the zone. You know, it's quite all-consuming. And sometimes I think, actually, I'm, I do too much, you know, my, too much of my life is about this. Yes. But then if you're a bit half-hearted, it's probably not going to work. I mean, like recently somebody said, oh, what's your side projects? You know, there's conversations now around side projects. And I, li and I honestly replied, I said, well, my, I've got two side projects, both offer very little return on investment, you know, and that's what the children yes because they take up like an insane amount of my time i think i think the notion of a side <laughs> a side project for someone who's running their own business and has children is, is yeah, actually and a, it's a funny actually because i one. thought my mum would never ask me that question you know she would never say to me what's your side project no it's just become a buzz now but i think i think the notion of a side project is actually someone who is employed and yes. is doing something creative. I think you're right. I think you're right. And it's right. become a big thing, and there's yeah. no doubt about it. But I mean, you can't. I, I don't have side projects because either all Your of life, my things are side, is projects a side projects or nothing is. Well, and also it's like every time I sign up a new author, you know, and take on a new book, that becomes a side project, you know, because you're investing so much into getting that little, you know, the little seed of an idea off the ground and turned into a. Mm you know, a printed, an object. But it does, I mean, so it does make you fundamentally of... happy and you are, you are freer than you were when you were working for Random House, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot more sort of flexible and, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's very, Which I think that's key. incredibly valuable, valuable even if you work your backside off every day, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I can, you know, I do it from home. I don't have to like ring up anyone and ask permission to do that, you know. Um, I can leave at three o'clock in the afternoon, but similarly, I might work evening, you know, some evenings. You know, if there's a book that I'm editing, I tend to get, I do most of that editorial work very early in the morning. Like, you might get up at half five. That doesn't happen all the time because we only publish like three books a year or something. But um, that's when, you know, your mind is clutter free and I'll just be on it mm. and I'll do that, you know. And then you're sort of thinking, oh, no, nobody told me to get up at half five. What am I doing? I'm such an idiot. Um, but I must love it. <laughs> You know, well, you I care, must, so you must yeah. love it. I mean, yeah, yeah because you if know, you didn't care, I've you wouldn't get a coffee, and it's yeah. 
So, yeah, that, that, it's, it's very interesting. And I think what's particularly interesting, probably from a publishing perspective, is that you're often dealing with people who aren't writers, per se. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so the editor's job becomes a completely yeah. different thing, right? Yeah. So we call it creative copy editing. Yes. <laughs> Which is a nice... But, you know, what... OK, so about six months in, I suddenly realised exactly that. I'm publishing books by people who aren't writers. Um, and I just thought, oh, God, how did I miss that? You know, that's like a really fundamental thing if you're running a publishing <laughs> company. Um, but then I thought, well, actually, yes and no, because they're complete experts. They live and breathe their subject. So they know their subject inside out. So we'll have conversations at an early stage when they're like, well, I've never written anything before. or I've, Once I wrote a blog post, you know, or something like that. Um, and that's so the books, I encourage them to keep it quite conversational. Um, and I encourage them to have one person in mind when they're writing it. So it's like, don't get bogged down by who's going to read this book, you know. If it's a food book, don't worry about, you know, the food journalists that might write it, that might read it um, and critique it. Um, you're writing for somebody. Uh, it might be somebody they met at the do lectures. Somebody quite young. Who yeah, it might be their boyfriend or their husband or, you know. Well, it's, 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 it's a little bit like you're stuck in the lift with this person. They're really interested to know everything that you do about this subject. They're really, really interested. Um, and so you're kind of preempting their questions and you're sort of talking on those lines. Yes. I suppose my point is, and it's a bit of jargon this, but it is about f using your own voice, isn't it? I mean, everyone yeah. has a voice. Yes. Okay. And so, not, so not compromising it, imagining that you're talking to <laughs> Nigella Lawson or... Yes. When suddenly the writing becomes very clunky and pretentious um, and not natural to them. So Tom Herbert's brilliant in that regard. I think he possibly said he was dyslexic, I don't know. Anyway, he did a lot into the dictaphone um, and he was just had the confidence to just be very natural. You know, there's jokes in there. Some of it's a bit filthy, um, you know, but it's him. He's one of the most eloquent. I mean, I think he says he is dyslexic, but he's incredibly eloquent. So yeah. to be able to capture that in the book is... Yeah, is, yeah. You know. so actually, and I kept all that in, you know. The editing, a lot of it is structural, you know. So it's like, well, does this flow? Are the ideas in a logical progression? Is the information presented in a way that makes sense to the reader? So it's as if the reader's being guided through this topic, you know, and the author is becomes a mentor. You so know, it has so a logical arc through. or whatever. Very much yeah. so. Yeah. yeah, a beginning and I mean, end. Actually, and, a... and there's, there's almost a formula that I find that works, you know, quite well, you know. So that, but that's your original. So that's probably the only bit of your original yeah, I job paint description. Yeah, should that, shouldn't I? Yeah, no, but presumably that's what you were doing. <laughs> my magic formula. Well, that's the job of a, an editor, really. You know, to work yes. with the author. So I meant you were doing at Random House. You. Yeah, but I. Well, yeah, yeah. No, I was. I was. But I mean, your work. I mean, the volume of books that you're going through. You know, you kind of don't really have time to. Yeah, to get sort of stuck in, or you end up freelancing it out because you know you're busy commissioning other books and things. Yes. Did you have a strategy when you started out of kind of where you wanted to be? So obviously initially you were thinking Waterstones and now, you, and then you started realising that actually it might be shops more like, I mean, I saw your books in Margaret Howell the other day, for example. So did I. Yeah. I didn't even know they were in there. Well, I thought that They're was great yes, because, you know, actually like... they, they presumably don't sell many, but it's a brilliant place to be. Yeah. So well, weirdly, he said the sourdough one does very well there. Oh, really? <laughs> but it is in shortage. 
So, um, no, it's a brilliant place to be because then you're getting endorsements yes. from these... And then you, then it's like another level, isn't it? And the ripples are really strong from yeah. something like that. So, weirdly, we had it the first year, PG UK, the distributor, got them into... Or our reps, got them into the Conran store. So, at some point, they were presented to one of the buyers who liked what they're doing. So, that was a massive thing. Because at that point, I didn't really know whether people would like them or not, you know, um, or how they'd be received. And then they went into Paul Smith. I mean, small numbers. I think he ordered, like, three books or something. But it something. doesn't matter, it does doesn't it? it doesn't matter, no. yeah. Because that was an endorsement from Presumably, somebody... Presumably, one of the cleverest things, in hindsight, that you've done is is working... Is he called James Victoire? The oh, Victoria. Victoria, yeah. 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 He's working with a really very strong... Um, he's got, I mean, yeah. he's got a hell of a strong visual voice, if that's... Yes. No, I think... Uh, you know, and you... That yes, probably isn't the right phrase. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, you have... I, I think that probably a buyer at the Conran shop almost is only interested in the cover and the subject yeah. and doesn't care about the content, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah, No maybe. disrespect, well, yeah, I think Conran shop's brilliant. Read, but, yeah. but so that's been a very clever thing, is to have that consistency of his work. Yes. So that was, that was a massive thing at the time. How are we going to present these books? What's our, you know, series identity? What's our visual identity? And we knew that they were going to be small paperbacks because we wanted them to be, you know, portable and people to be able to pick them up. Um, and so I knew that they had to work very hard on the shelf in the bookshops. Um, and anyway, we sort of tried a couple of designers who were quite safe. And then somebody suggested James. Um, and I thought, oh, you know, it's going to be... It's going to be too controversial, you know, too controversial. Yes, because a lot of his art's quite it's sort going of to be too far slogan-based and radical. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, anyway, spoke with him. He had done a do lecture, so he was already aware of do and that kind of thing. Um, so I didn't really brief him very much. And then he sent through five cover designs and said, well, this is, this is what I would suggest. What, sorry, when I say five cover designs, it was one design style across five different books. So we basically had a choice of one. Um, and I wasn't sure because there's this cardinal rule in publishing that you don't publish books with white covers because A, they get grubby and B, on places like Amazon and other online retailers, they just float. <laughs> they float on the white background. Interesting. Okay. So you have to put a little frame around it or tint the cover. So of course they came in, they're all white. So I was like, oh God. Um, and I could see that the typeface was elegant and authoritative, you know. But then, and then we had these original artworks laid underneath that were very sort of almost naive and childlike and, you know, I mean, literally the grow one is like crayon scribbles. Um, anyway, I rang David higher and showed him and I was like, oh God, because, you know, at this point you're sort of feeling sick really because it's such a big part of your you've, offering. And you've got what to get it, it done. What does it look like? It's yes. like your logo and your, you know, it's all your entire branding. Um, you know, and the visual is so much stronger than, you know, words on the page and stuff um, and I was like I just don't know and at that point I just felt like I was in free fall you know because it was just like I you, said, this what, is... you just weren't sure yeah because I think I was just overwhelmed by like you know making that decision um, and, inter and that was you know so I suppose I was like less than a year in at that point um, and at Random House you'd have a meeting and there'd be like 10 people in that meeting you'd have sales which you know was often a bit of a joke but similarly you had that reassurance 
you know, that actually, okay, yeah, you think it's good, but so do, so does head of sales. Yes. So does head of marketing. So does the public, you know. Um, so in a way, that was quite reassuring. Um, but this was, I was completely on my own. It's a proper entrepreneurial decision. You just have to, <laughs> yeah, you have to make it almost by yourself. Yeah. So did David Hyatt like it then? Well, he wasn't sure either. So I was like, oh God, now we're really screwed. Um, and he was like, let's just both sleep on it. Let's sleep on it. Because it was, I think we had an idea of what they might be like and they were nothing like that. So it was a bit of a leap of faith. Anyway, a day or two later, I was like, I think I like them. And he was like, yeah, I think I like them. And I was like, actually, I think I quite love them. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I do too. So, and actually we realized that it had been such a tough decision because they're not like other book covers. You know, which was exactly what you wanted, what but it's needed. quite a brave leap on the yeah. other. Yeah, and it yeah. was, and they were strong. And actually, truth be told, my mum, you know, I spoke. We obviously we speak very regularly, and she was like, "Oh, that's good. Your wild baking cover, isn't it?" She's never mentioned the covers really, and she said, "Well, I was in Waterstones, and I had to ask the man where it was, and we were both walking across the shop, and I." We both saw it from a mile away. Yes. Doesn't it stand out? Yeah. You well, know, isn't it good? And I was like, well, yeah, he is. But I think what helped was James's background is poster design and very strong graphics, rather than book cover design. Yes. So actually, his design style is, it works very hard, you know, and he's confident, you know. Yes, but I don't, yes, but I don't think posters and, I mean, you know, CDs and record covers are not the same thing, are they? I mean, yeah. in, in that posters and books are. Anyway, I mean, yeah. you've obviously, it's obviously worked very well and you've got to this position. Now, do you, are, you, are you besieged now with people who want to, you to publish their book? Well, a little bit. Yes. Yeah. And that's very um, consuming in time-wise, I imagine. Well, to be honest, a lot of the time it's quite straightforward because we've got a very clear line that we only publish books by people who have spoken at the event, at the Do Lectures. Oh, I didn't realise that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, which keeps it on brand, you know, and just it keeps it focused. And then we're all sort of nicely tied in. If somebody came along who I thought, who I really, really wanted to publish, I would then refer them to David and, you know, I would so what, what's, ask if what, they could so speak. I, 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 stupidly, I hadn't realised that, but now it makes sense. What, why, why is that? Why do you only do that? Well, I suppose it's it's the brand, you know. I mean, I'm, yes. that's that's in essence. But that's in some ways, that's quite limiting because not everyone can go and speak at the Dulex, even if they're brilliant. Yeah, I mean, true. Um, but also, they could run a workshop as well, as long as there's some connection. Otherwise, it's going to be it'll just go a little bit off brand, I think. You know, so we work quite closely together. I mean, that's why all the books concepts that I come up with, even if they're not. You know, it's not obviously related to the talk. Um, yeah, I'll run that past yes. David. And also there's a logic or he in might, this. he might recommend somebody, you know, I think so-and-so would make a great, this would be a great book, you know, which, and then I can ignore that or I can look into it. I mean, you know, mm. obviously yeah. I'll ignore it outright. And also I suppose it works with the notion, so, the, you know, the, um, the do lectures is only for 100 people and it's very expensive, 1,500 yeah. quid. And your books are for everyone and a nine quid. So I can see there's a progression there. But I suppose, you know, it, there is a... I get that the two are connected, but, it, it, you know, there must be amazing people out there who, who, who would fit your ethos. Well, and, for sure, but then maybe they could do a lecture or a workshop. Yeah. I mean, you know, who knows? Who knows? I mean, there's certainly scope, I think, for me, sort of progressing an idea if there was an amazing individual. Um, but, you know... Or I don't know, further down the line, set up another imprint. You know, yes. I mean, that's because it... So, back to your original question, 
I own the company, you know, works in progress publishing. So originally I thought, oh yeah, I'll have five imprints of which two will be one. And then of course, like five years later, it's like taking up all of my time, <laughs> in a good way. But you can, yeah, of course you can do but that. But technically I could. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I, that, it's interesting. So um, just before we come to an end, um, one of the things which strikes me about it, which I think you've just redressed, is that sometimes, do you feel it can all get a little bit serious? your books, they can all get a bit serious. It's very nice to have Tom in there with his, you know, slightly dirty humour and kind of yeah. off-the-cuff wit. I mean, I, that would be my only, you know, I'd some, yeah. I mean, you know, you're obviously serious, but you're not a super serious person. Yeah. Do you ever kind of think this is all a bit serious and a bit worthy? Oh, I don't know. Well, I guess it is serious stuff, though, isn't it? I mean, if we're sort of saying to somebody, do what you love, and that may be starting a company, I mean, it kind of is grown-up stuff, isn't it? I'm not. Yes, I, I mean, I, no. I mean, I'm just worthy? saying. You know, I think. I think worthiness is. Are a, you thinking it, of one in particular? No, I'm no, not. Okay. I mean, I just think kind of beekeeping, sourdough, preserving. You know, I mean, you know, writing email newsletters, yeah. disrupting. You know, I, I, I think I'm very conscious of the good life experience that we have to remember that we, you know, have to remember what I characterise as being a little bit punk rock occasionally and just yeah. not taking ourselves too seriously and yeah. doing something off the cuff because. I don't want us to be surrounded just by people very, very intense. Yes. I want to have fun. Right. Yeah. Well, I suppose when I sort of commit... Well, a couple of things to address that. Firstly, when I commission a book, the reader, the person I have in mind that's going to pick up is, is probably a do-lectures attendee. And, you know, you're the profile of that person. don't want to sort of reduce them down to, like, a few words. But, you know, they like new ideas, they like innovation, you know, they're quite pioneering, they're creative, you know, they're into, you know, the, or they think about the environment and that kind of thing. Um, but also they've got a sense of humour. So, and they're quite entrepreneurial. So I'm sort of publishing with that remit in mind. Um, also, I mean, now that, I mean, it's taken this long to get the series up and running. Now we're in a slightly more, I kind of feel like we've reached a small ledge on the mountain. Um, and now we've sort of reached that little ledge, um, which I don't even know what that means, you know. But um, No, but you feel but like now, you've made well, discernible so, progress. Yeah, so now yeah. we're talking about a couple of new series. You know, it's like, okay, so we could just keep publishing books into the how-to, yes. you know, practical series. But now we're talking about, okay, well, maybe... Well, I'll say we're talking, I'm just coming up with it. Um, you know, a couple of other series, you know, maybe around, or, well, actually, I don't give too much away, maybe around travel or maybe around, you know, short stories, um, which would still sort of tie in with the do and its aims and, you know, and, and inspiring others. And also aimed at the same others. people you've just outlined. Yeah. 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 Because they're all so multifaceted, you know, and also writing a sort of practical book doesn't suit everybody or it doesn't necessarily suit their area of expertise. But, I mean, a lot of them are artists and poets, you know. Um, you know, they're not all running amazing tech companies in Silicon Valley or New Brooklyn. Um, you know, so it's like, well, actually, what have they, you know, can we create a platform for them to yes. publish something yes. that's of value? I think if I was you, I'd be getting carried away. You've been, you've been actually very disciplined, Well, I can't you? afford to get carried away. No. <laughs> I'd but, love to get, no. give me £100,000 and I'll get carried away. No, no, but... But that's true, actually, isn't it? It's that balance between the sort of creative and the commercial. You know, I've, I could publish, you know, 
30 books next year, but I can't afford to. So it's like, so you do have to be quite considered. Um, and also it's, you know, we plan a bit and people need time to publish. And also it's getting it right, isn't it? I mean, I don't really subscribe to this fail fast, fail often mentality, which I think only really applies to the tech industry. You know, when you're talking about books and, you know, almost books and paper and print and, you know, labours of love, you know, you want to try and get it right because otherwise I, I'm doing a Absolutely. I mean, you clearly the, done, you know, you have whatever, you, yeah. you're far too modest, but you've done a phenomenal <laughs> job. But I just think I, I would kind of get too distracted. I'd meet that person over there on the street and think, God, you know, she's got an amazing story. It's kind of different, but I'm still going to do it. But you, yeah. you've been very sort of um, Yeah, but then dogged maybe and, you can't afford to do, you know, no, from no. where I'm sitting. So actually that is probably does allow, doesn't force me to become quite sort of selective. And also, of course, the do one Which thing I well Which I say is, curating. Yes. But, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, the do one thing well. God, yeah, yeah. No one does one thing, but anyway. So what, just, <laughs> just to kind of round up, just what, what's the, what's your bestseller so far? Well, there's a, well, it's difficult to say purely, and I'm not dodging the question, because um, they're published, you know, they come out different years. Of course. Um, do story. That just that just goes on. That goes on and on. Um, and sourdough. Don't know who's buying that, but anyway. Um, David's book, Do Purpose, Disrupt. We've just brought out a new edition of. Um, so yeah, sort of probably those five. But yeah, it's a little bit. But they all do well, you know. Because, and then there's yeah. like some close, you know. And then lead goes on, improvise, you know. And people presumably buy. Well. Some people presumably buy them all. Some people buy, yeah, we do offer a library set yes, on, the seen that. on the website, thedoom.co. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, you can buy the full library. And actually, I think a lot of people in companies buy that for their office, for their shelf, for their, you know, reading corner at work, which I love. Well, it's great um, for the brand as well. Yeah. For their brand and yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, thank you very much to Miranda. Thank you to you for listening. After this, we went off and had a really good Peruvian lunch just around the corner and it was all in all a very nice Friday afternoon thank you to you for listening thanks to Miranda for doing such amazing work and for agreeing to speak to me thanks to my friend Jim Friend for his tireless editing work I should add perhaps that the most recent do books is by my friend Tom Herbert and it is called do while baking it's really great it's really worthwhile it's energetic and it's infused with Tom's charisma and slightly naughty humour. In fact, Tom launched that book at the Good Life Experience this year, where we have an association with speakers and various other things for the Between Do Books and the Good Life Experience. Tom wanted to smoke his books at the book launch, and that is indeed what he did. He created a three-strand washing line that sat over the main campfire cooking fire, and when people had bought their books and he'd signed them, he hung the book over the washing line so that they would be infused with the smell of the wood smoke and the good life experience's particular aroma. It was a great success. I think he sold loads of books and all the booze was hoovered up. But it's a great book, so whether you've got that and it smells of campfire from the good life experience or have yet to get one, I would urge you to read it. It's good fun and act on it. Anyway, enough of that. Thank you very much. See you soon. Bye. Bye.